we're starting Galatians. And we're starting uh, this morning uh, our summer walk through the series of Galatians or the letter of Galatians. And, and, and this morning is really gonna act like, um, um, kind of like a commercial. Like we've done this a few times where, uh, especially as we start the beginning of a book where we say, all right, before we even get into what it says, we need to talk about the background and the, like, the history and the, the, the context, the social context and the historical context and the theological context of, of this letter or this book of the Bible. So, so this morning, what we're gonna do is we're gonna walk through kind of the background of Galatians. My goal is to whet your appetite for this summer to say, I can't wait to walk through Galatians. All right, I'm gonna read it on my own. I'm gonna, I'm gonna jump all in in this letter that Paul wrote to get, I want you to get you excited and interested and see what God has to say to you through Galatians because it is an incredible book. So if you are, um, if you're a person who loves background, like, um, uh, you know, when, when pastors get up and, and they start talking about the background of a passage or a verse or a, a city and you're like, oh man, you're just a history person maybe, or you just love the, the you just love the behind the scenes. Like, like the best part of, of uh, uh, for you, like movies or even concerts is like, I wanna see the behind the scenes of what's going on around that. If that's you, then this morning is for you. Cause this is a kind of a behind the scenes of Galatians. Here's what's going on. Now, before we do this, um, I, I want us to, um, to, uh, to, to pr- I'm gonna pray for us. And, and my hope is that all of us would, would look at our interaction with Galatians and say, all right, Lord, as much as this is, and, and you do this, I, we all do this. Like you come to church and you hear a message and you're like, oh man, that was so good. I wish so-and-so would hear this message right? We're like, man, they needed to hear this thing, right? That what the pastor said, I mean, he wasn't saying it to me, honestly, really, my life's good, I'm fine, but they really need to get fixed, right? And so, man, I wish they were here. And as, as, as tempted as we may be to say, man, I really want someone, you know, this person needs to hear this thing. I hope that all of us for this series would say, all right, that's great. Like the, the, the they and like all of those people need to hear this, but God, what do you wanna to say to me this morning? And each time we show up, all right, as much as this is for someone else, God, I'm here and we're walking through this and this is no coincidence and, and we're going through Galatians and the guy on the stage, whoever it is that week, all right, they're gonna be talking about your word. And what do you wanna tell me this morning? So I'm gonna pray for us. I'm gonna pray for us that, that that's our posture this entire summer, that every week we show up, we say, all right, God, I don't know what's coming, but I'm praying that, that I hear from you, from your word this morning. So would you do this? Would you bow with me? And I'm gonna pray. I'm gonna pray for us for this summer. So Lord, we do ask that you would speak to each and every one of us every week. God, that when we show up to hear from your word, as we show up to, to walk through verse by verse through Galatians, that, that Lord, you, you would make clear to us what it is that you have for us, each and every one of us, that as much as this is for other people, this is for us. So Lord, will you speak to us? Each time we show up on a Sunday, ready to hear from your word, God, we ask that you would speak to each and every one of us. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Okay. So that's your homework. Every Sunday you show up. Uh, if you're watching online, every, you know, when you're tuning in online, all right, Lord, before we even start, speak to me 
today. You, you, you all have our Sunday ritual, right? You like, you have your times you get up and maybe you eat, maybe you get coffee, maybe you, you come here, you drop the kids off and then maybe you like, maybe this is your process. You drop the kids off and you're like, awesome. I got like a, a good hour of just relax. You get your coffee and you're like, this is the best part of my week. <laughs> I have no idea what you pro-. But when you walk in these doors to think, all right, Lord, speak to me this morning. Speak to me through your word this morning. So this morning, we're going to start by walking through the background of Galatians and what is, what, what is going on in and around this region and also like what is happening in Paul's life that he writes this. So many, we're going to start by, say, by recognizing the importance of Galatians. Many church historians maintain that, that the fact, listen, this, is, this, is, uh, this, this might sound like an exaggeration, but it really is not. The foundation of the Reformation was laid with the, the writing of Martin Luther's commentary on Galatians. That the beginning of the Reformation where, where the Protestant church split out of the Roman Catholic church was beginning with Martin Luther's kind of 95 thesis. And he's like, here's the, re, here's the things that we wanna reform the church. And that led, it doesn't lead to reformation. It leads to a split and, and the split becomes known as Protestants, and, which is like you and I, like non-Roman Catholicism. And, and like even the word, like it's, it's kind of a funny word, Protestant. It literally means protestant, like, like protesters. Like we are protest, like, did you know that you come to church? You're, you're participating in a, a protest right now. A, a good one, but you're here, right? You're pro- like the Protestant movement. And they say all of like that, like the large part of that, the kind of the match that lit that is Galatians, is Martin Luther's commentary and his understanding, his interaction with this, this very short letter of Paul. In fact, he writes this, Martin Luther, he says this, the epistle to the Galatians, he says, is my epistle. He's like, this one's mine. Like of, of all the other letters and all the other books of the Bible, all right, this one, this one speaks to me. The epistle of the Galatians is my epistle. To it I am, as it were, in wedlock. <laughs> I'm married to it. And then he says this, Galatians is my Catherine. Catherine was the name of his real life wife when he left the church and, and she was a reformed nun and she left the church and they got married. And he says, Galatians is like my wife. Like this is, this is that important to me. Galatians is a big deal. It, 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 um, it was out of this, his careful submission to scripture and his, and his study, especially of Galatians, that, that Martin Luther kind of re, uh, restated God's salvation plan was, was by grace through faith. This, this was directly, this was it directly contrary to the thousand-year-old Roman Catholic teaching on salvation by works, by doing. You have to do certain stuff. He, through reading Galatians, says, this doesn't seem to be the case. And he starts the Reformation out of Galatians. One commentator, he writes this, Christianity might have been just one more Jewish sect, like one more kind of version of Judaism, and the thought of the, the Western world might have been entirely pagan had it, Galatians, never been written. He goes so far to say, literally, the Western world, like the Western thought that we think of as like Judeo-Christian, he says, that might not have happened and it might even be pagan, like non-Christian, if it weren't for Galatians. This is that big of a deal. This letter is that important. 
Galatians, he goes on, it says, embodies the, the germinal teaching, the beginning kind of seed teachings on Christian freedom, which separated Christianity from Judaism and which launched it, Christianity, upon a career of missionary conquest. It's the thing that is like the, the division between Judaism and Christianity is as, as tied together as they were. All of a sudden, Paul writes Galatians and you realize, oh, there's a clear split here. There's a clear difference between the two. He goes on and says, it was the cornerstone of the Protestant Reformation because it, its teaching on salvation by grace alone became the dominant theme of the preaching of the reformers. How important is Galatians? Oh man, in, in, the, in, the, in the world of church history, it is, um, it is the thing that was the catalyst for maybe the greatest change in the church history. So let's look at Galatians and let's look at the background. Some background about Galatians. First, Galatia is not a city, it's a region. So don't think of this as like, like, uh, like Paul writes his letters, you know, to the church in Rome, Romans, to the church in Corinth, to the church in Thessalonica. And he's writing specifically to churches in specific cities. For this, he talks about the churches in Galatia. This is a region, an area. This would be, um, uh, uh, this would be like saying to the, the churches in central Oregon, I'm writing a letter to all of you. It's not just the church in Bend. It's all of the churches in the whole region. Galatia, where's Galatia? Galatia is current day Turkey. I think we have some maps here so you can see um, kind of the world stage. There's a Mediterranean, uh, this red circle, like that whole area is current day Turkey. Galatia is that like teal one. You see it, it it's described kind of like, a, like snaking through. Um, that's the region. And there's, there's, um, there's um, some specific churches that he visits, but this is the area. Uh, Israel is right down here. You can see it in, in contrast. You can see kind of the size of Israel if you go to the next one. Um, and uh, in where Paul is like starting his missionary journeys. And then he goes up to what's called Asia Minor into Galatia. So he's writing to this entire region. And, and, and the goal is that this, this letter that he's going to write is going is to go church to church. They're going to hand it around and let all the churches read this. Now that is crazy when we start looking at the contents of Galatians and you realize, oh man, this is not an easy letter. Like, like, like at some point, I imagine like whatever church has at last is like, let's get rid of this quick. Like, hey, here you go, man. Here's his letter. Good luck. <laughs> like, so this, this, Paul is writing to a region um, and we see in Acts, here's, here's more homework for you. We see that in Acts 13 and 14, it describes Paul's time in Galatia. And there's four particular churches that are named that he plants and visits in these cities. Um, Antioch, Iconium, Lystra, and Derbe. I think they were on that map. And, and these are the specific ones that like we know about that, that he started and interacted with. And in Acts 13 and 14, we read about it. Now, if, you, if, you, if you're like, hey, I'm doing a deep dive. Okay, I want, we're doing Galatians. I'm going all in. You cannot, you cannot read or even start Galatians without first reading Acts 13, 14. So write that down. If you're like, I want to read, I want to get some insight, some background. Acts 13, 14 gives you the, uh, the Paul's experience that he's going to reference in Galatians. He's going to talk about his time that we read about in Acts 13, 14. And we see that, that it's while he's in Galatia, Paul nearly loses his life. Like he is, he, he is, he is um, uh, they attempt to kill him. He's stoned. He's literally like hit with stones and they think he's dead. He's 
unconscious. He's passed out. They leave him for dead. They, they literally, they think he's dead. They're like, finally, we took care of this guy. He comes to and he's like, oh man, that was close. <laughs> and he continues his ministry. And that happens in Galatia, in this region. And it happened from very specific um, antagonistic Jewish leaders who followed him around. We're gonna see uh, who these people are here in a second, but they're kind of the, the, uh, the, 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 um, the very, very negative paparazzi of the day. <laughs> like they weren't just like neutral. Hey, we're just trying to get pictures of you. They were following Paul and would travel city to city after him, trying to ruin his ministry, intentionally causing harm, even physically trying to kill him. So why did Paul write Galatians? Why, like, why, why did he sit down and say like, all right, get me my pen. You, you know, when, when Paul sat down and said, hey, hey, get me my, get me my pen, right? Just give me my quill, probably is what it was. Probably wasn't a ballpoint pen at that time. You knew, you knew that something was about to happen. Like, all right, he's getting, okay, he's gonna, here we go. He's gonna, he's, he's writing another one. Um, he writes, he writes Galatians. It was one of the earliest, earliest letters Paul wrote. He wrote it in A.D. 48, most likely. Probably there's a, a the timeline is actually important um, for a bunch of reasons, but there's a council that happens in Jerusalem in, in 49, and this probably happens before that. And, and it's the only letter in which Paul doesn't give a commendation to the, the church he's writing to. Like he doesn't commend them for anything. Usually in all the other letters, he starts with like, hey, the apostle Paul, you know, grace and peace. I'm so impressed by your faith or I, I've heard this great report. I never stop praying for you because your love for the saints and, and I'm, I'm so excited for your, your maturity and your growing. All right, he starts these letters and he usually gives some kind of attaboy, like great job. Not in Galatians. Galatians is very different. He doesn't, he didn't start with praise or, or, uh, or, or uh, a commendation. Paul is angry. You're going to hear it from, I mean, from the opening verses, like from the beginning all the way through the end, like this guy is upset. I mean, he's not just upset, like, like, like he is frustrated at his core, almost unhinged. He is deeply, deeply upset over what is happening. In fact, these are, these are easily the angriest words we read from Paul of all his letters. Why? Why is he so upset? Like what's going on to cause him to be so upset with churches he planted? And now he's writing the letter to them like, you guys, I can't believe you. Oh, Paul, calm, calm down, man. We, you know us, we know you. What is happening that, that makes Paul so upset? Okay, some backstory there is a Jew-Gentile conflict that he is gonna address. He addresses quite a bit, but he addresses specifically in Galatians. So, um, so Christianity, uh, some, just some, some like history, quick history, it came out of Judaism as a, as a, um, as a, um, a Jewish messianic uh, movement. And here's what it says, that, that uh, Old Testament Judaism and Israel that uh, talked about this Messiah. And then Christianity says, we, we know this Messiah. He came, he was born, he lived here, and then he was crucified and he rose again. His name is Jesus. And those who believed that Jesus is, was the Messiah, then became Christians. They were Jewish first, and then they become Christians. So they're, they're Jewish Christians. And then those who say like, no, he wasn't the Messiah. He was a false prophet, a false Messiah, a sinner, a, a, a terrible guy. We need to get rid of him. They, were, they remain Jewish. 
So there's this, so Christianity comes out of Judaism. It isn't like in replacement of, it's like a branch of a tree that comes out of Judaism. Now, this is important because what we understand is um, in, in Paul's time, there, like as he's writing this, it's been now a decade to almost a almost couple decades maybe. And there's just as many non-Jewish Christians as there are Jewish Christians to the point where it's becoming a problem. Like for you and I, we would read this and be like, I don't, I don't understand the issue. For them, this is a real dilemma because these, these Jewish Christians still wanted to say, listen, our heritage is important. We are God's chosen people for a reason. He gave us the law. He wants us to obey the law and the Messiah fulfills that, but he doesn't, he doesn't remove it. So we still need to honor and carry out the law. And you have these, these, non, these non-Jewish Christians who, who don't have the law. They don't have the history. They don't have all of the, like the, the rules and the regulations of the Old Testament. And so now they're just Christians, just doing like what Jesus told them. And you have this other group saying, hey, you aren't really Christians like us because we also have the law. And it's creating this division between them, almost like a hierarchy of like, like, like Jewish Christians, like really good Christians. And then like, oh, you, it's okay. You can be a Gentile Christian, but it's not the same as us. We have certain things that we do. And in Judaism, they had, they had the Torah, the law. And this, was, um, this actually caused a sharp debate in Acts 15, how they were gonna handle this Jew-Gentile issue. Because the Jews were God's chosen people and they were, um, they were identified by specifically obeying the law of Moses. And there were certain markers that would identify you as being a part of the, of the covenant, of being Israel, of being Jew. And, and, um, and uh, wouldn't you know it that these same, uh, these same markers exist today. One, you have to eat kosher. There's a whole bunch of dietary laws in the Old Testament and you have to remain kosher. And, and if you go to Israel, guess what? They're still kosher. Like literally, you, you could go to Israel and we'll plan another trip here eventually. Be, um, I'm hoping next year, uh, you know, barring some other kind of, you know, world shutdown, hopefully that doesn't happen again. Um, but like, like, you'll be able to go to say, I wanna go to Israel. And, and here's what you're gonna find. When you go to Israel, you're gonna be like, man, I didn't realize it was so Jewish. <laughs> like they're kosher, right? Honor the Sabbath, it's a big deal. Guess what? Today, they honor Sabbath. Like Sabbath is a big, still a big deal. Even for non-religious Jews, like they still honor, the, there's still some they, rules that we do. We honor the Sabbath. And then the third one, and this is the big one that's gonna come out that, that is, feels a little weird for us, but for them, this is the issue. The third one was circumcision. For, the, for male Jews, like this was a big deal. This was what sets us apart. This is what identifies us as specifically Jewish. So for them, they would say this, if you become a Christian, you also have to convert to the law. You gotta do these things. And particularly, it begins with circumcision. And for them, like, like the equivalent, it's, it's kind of not a, a one-to-one ratio. It's not, it's not exactly the same, but it's kind of ish. It helps us at least understand. Um, it's kind of similar to baptism in that, hey, you, want, you become a Christian, here's how you let people know. Here's how you kind of identify, you get baptized. It's not the thing that saves you. It's a little different. It's not like how you get in, but it's like, all right, that's the thing we do to say, hey, everyone, I'm a Christian. For them, you wanna become Jewish? Okay, you get circumcised. That's how you let, every, if you're a male, that's how you let everyone know, all right? So they were telling male, non-Jewish Christians, if you really are a part of this, 
you have to submit to the Old Testament law. So Paul is angry. There's a Jew-Gentile conflict of, of how are we supposed to settle the issue of the law? And then there's this other group and you have to know about this group if you're gonna understand Galatians. If you're gonna understand anything that Paul, like Paul's ministry, you have to know about this group. They're not defined in Galatians by name, but we know who they are and they are known as the Judaizers. The Judaizers were a faction of Jewish Christians who regarded the Levitical laws of the Old Testament as still binding on all Christians. It wasn't optional. It wasn't like, hey, if you want to, it was, if you're gonna become a Christian, you also have to do these Old Testament, you have to obey the law also. These Jewish Christians, they didn't wanna get rid of the law of God. They, they would say any non-Jewish Christian, you have to, to become a true Christian, you have to obey the Torah, the five books of Moses, the law. And these Judaizers ended up coming to the Galatian churches, following in Paul's footsteps, creating all kinds of issues. Because Paul, here's what he's doing. Paul is eliminating our heritage. He's erasing Judaism. We can't let that happen. We can't let him erase our, our history, the Old Testament, the law. He's just getting rid of all of it and saying, you don't need it. You're gonna talk about grace. And no, 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 we, listen, we can't allow this to be the version of true Christianity. And what they would do is follow him around and go, you know, wherever he went, they would go kind of city by city, church by church and say, hey, we're Christians too. But here's some of the stuff that Paul left out. He didn't have time. He's a busy guy. He's going place to place. And some of the stuff he didn't tell you is specifically with the law. And so let us, let us share why you also need to do some of these, these laws. You need to obey some of the Old Testament commandments. Let's walk you through it. And they were following Paul, communicating this version of the gospel. And Paul gets wind of it. And he says, this is a problem. Paul literally says, not on my watch. So he sits down and he says, I need to write a letter. Give me my quill. <laughs> and here we go. And what we have is Galatians. His response specifically to these Judaizers who are demanding that non-Jewish Christians obey the law, and specifically male non-Jewish Christians get circumcised. That was like the thing. You gotta start with this or, or you can't be a Christian. And many of them did, and they were, and they were, they were becoming, um, they, were, they were not just following Jesus, now they're also submitting to the law. So Paul finds this out and he's beside himself and he's angry and he writes Galatians. So what is Galatians about? Let's go through a, a, an outline and then we'll look at the themes. Here's a, a quick outline. It's six chapters. It's not very long. You can read it. When you go home, you can read it in, you know, probably 20 minutes, maybe, maybe faster, maybe a little short, depending on your, the speed you read. It's not, it's not long at all. The first two chapters are about the truth of the gospel. The whole thing is the gospel. He starts with the, two, the first two chapters and he's writing about, here is the gospel. Here's what it is. Here's what it isn't. And he goes through, here's my credentials to prove that I am indeed telling you the true gospel. Let me tell you a little bit about myself and why, I'm, why I have authority to talk about this. And then here it is. This is the gospel. Then he switches in, verses, in chapters three and four to what we could call the implications of the gospel. Okay, this is the gospel. Now here's what it means. Because this is true, because this is what the gospel is, this is what it isn't, here's what it should now look like. And here's, here's what this means for you theologically and how you understand it. This, is, this now then is kind of how it plays out. And then... He switches in chapters five and six to now our life in the gospel. How we live it out. All right, now here's what it looks like. Okay, 
You understand the gospel? You know the implications of what that means? And now, here's how you live it out. Here's how you actually do it. And he talks a lot about living in the spirit and, 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 what, this, and what this looks like. If we were to kind of uh, maybe uh, in layman's terms describe this outline, here's the gospel. Here's what he's talking about in these three different sections. What does it mean? What does the gospel mean? What does it do? All right, so what? What does it do? And then the third, all right, how do I live it? How do I live it out? How do I do it? What does the gospel mean? What does the gospel do? And how do I live the gospel out? That is the book of Galatians. That is what we'll be walking through verse by verse this summer to say, all right, this is gonna be, as we navigate through these three elements, this is how I understand the, 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 the movement of Paul's letter to the Galatians. So what to look for? Now let's talk about themes. Galatians is full of not just themes, like there's themes in every book of the Bible, but it's full of dichotomies of this versus this, of two things. And, and what Paul is really doing is he's, he's lining up um, kind of a, a contrast between life with the gospel and life apart from the gospel. So there's, there's gonna be a, a succession of dichotomies of, well, there's this option or this option. You get to choose. You get to decide how you're gonna live. And, and you can choose the way of the gospel and that means this. Or you can choose the, like something else, not the gospel, and it looks like this. And he's gonna go through throughout this letter time and time again of, of these options, these two things that are kind of pitted against each other. And the first one is, is this, at least one of the, the many, um, there's six that we're gonna mention this morning that we'll see kind of come up over and over and over throughout this, this letter. The first one is this, truth versus heresy. Now here's what you're gonna notice. In all six of these, none of them apply to today. We don't ever have heresies try to infiltrate the church today, do we? We don't have anyone telling us that, that, that you don't understand the truth. I have the, the version, I have the truth and my understanding is the truth and yours is, yours is actually just a little inferior. Let me help coach you up to, to, to give you a real understanding of what the gospel is and the secret. Like there, we have books today called the, the Secret Gospel of Jesus, The Secret Message of Jesus, written by Christians who are like, hey, I got it. Like it was secret and I figured it out. And for $14.95, you too, can find out this secret. Truth versus, her versus heresy. Like this is just as prevalent today. Like, like people who, wanna, who are trying to infiltrate or, or speak false, like false teachings in the church today, heresy. Man, it was there 2,000 years ago. It is there today. Here's how he starts Galatians, okay? Chapter one. He, his first five verses are very nice and, 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 uh, and, and kind of customary. It's a greeting, an open grace and peace to you, um, who, to Jesus, you know, um, glory to him forever and ever. Um, okay, and then he says this, verse, all right, now, let, now let's get started. Here we go, ready? He's got his quill. Here's what he says. I am astonished. You are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and you're turning to a different gospel. Easy, Paul. That's your opening line. And he says, I'm astonished. I'm shocked. I'm beside myself. I can't, I can't believe you're deserting the one who's called you. What are you doing? I'm astonished. I am, I am flabbergasted. I don't think they have that word in Greek, but he would have used it. I can't believe you're doing this. You're turning to a different gospel. And he says, which, 
which is really no gospel at all. Yet you're, you're turning to a, a different version of the gospel and it's really not a gospel. It's a false gospel and it's false teaching and you're actually listening and turning to heresy. That's his opening line. He's not even angry yet. He's just starting to get worked up. He's gonna address throughout Galatians this truth versus heresy, versus false teaching. And it comes up over and over from these Judaizers. A second one is grace versus legalism. Again, doesn't apply to our situations at all. There's no legalism in the church today. We know this. What? In fact, some of you would say, I grew up, like my understanding of church is legalism. In fact, it's probably maybe hurt a lot of our faith. And we, you probably know people who've left church and like, be, I'm done with church because their understanding of church is legalism. Maybe they grew up with it. Maybe they saw it happen. Maybe they had a, a really terrible church experience about rules and regulations. You got to do this or else. And like, it was such a turnoff. They're like, I'm done. I, that's what church is. I'm out. I don't want this. Legalism is just as, maybe even more so prevalent today as it was in his time. Because we've had, we've had 2,000 years to perfect legalism now. <laughs> so he addresses grace versus legalism. Here's what he says in Galatians chapter three. Again, hey, Paul, just, just be kind. You foolish Galatians. Okay, easy, Paul. Like you don't have an easy button. Like it's just all, um, you fools, you foolish Galatians. Who has bewitched you? Who's tricked you? Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. Like we clearly preached to you the gospel. And he's like, I would like to learn just one thing from you. All right, fine. Tell me this one thing, right? It's like his Columbo moment. Like, I got one question for you. <laughs> Do you remember Columbo? That's a super old reference. You're probably shocked I even know that, right? He says, I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the spirit by the works of the law? or by believing what you heard? Did you get the spirit because you were doing all of the Old Testament laws, like all you were working so hard at it and finally you got it? Or was it because you believed in Jesus? Tell me, answer me this, this one question. I would like to learn just, just one thing. Uh, verse three, are you so foolish? Like Paul is, listen, are you, are you guys dumb? Hey, Paul, stop. You can't talk like that. Not only am I going to talk like I'm writing it in the Bible forever because I'm that frustrated. Are you so foolish? After beginning by means of the Spirit, you started this whole thing with the Spirit. Are you now trying to finish things by means of the flesh? And uses this flesh directly because he's talking about these works of the flesh. Like they're trying to just earn, they're trying to earn salvation and telling you, you have to do all of these things to be a Christian. He's gonna fight directly head on, grace versus legalism. A third one, faith versus works. We're gonna see this pop up over and over again. This shows up in the church today, faith versus works and like actually trying to earn favor. He says this, Galatians 2, know that a person is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. So we too, he says, we have put our faith in Christ Jesus that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law, but because here's what we know, by the works of the law, no one will be justified. 
You can do all of this stuff you want. You can turn to this, the Old Testament laws. You can turn to, to all of the stuff you add to the gospel. And he says, no one, no one will ever be justified by all this stuff. We're justified by faith. And that's it. You can see how this could mess with Martin Luther to be like, wait a minute here. This is the problem. This is not my experience in church of faith. This faith first works is gonna come up again and again and again. He's gonna talk about the fourth one, unity versus division. Man, if only, if only churches today weren't so united and never experienced division. If only, right? I mean, they were divided then and, and guess, we know this, the church today experiences division over all kinds of issues. As we've seen, especially these last two years, it's like every single issue is a division, is a dividing point among churches. Paul says in Galatians 3, and, and again, for, for us, we're like, okay, this makes sense. For them, it's like, Paul, you can't say this. He says this, so in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. Gentile Christians and Jewish Christians, you're all the same. Paul, stop, you don't get to say that. We have a history. We're God's chosen people, and they aren't. They kind of got added late to the game. Like, we've been doing this for thousands of years. And he says, guess what? You're all under the same umbrella now. What? You're ruining our history, our heritage, our faith. Paul, you can't say stuff like that. So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you, here's how you know, you were all baptized into Christ and have clothed yourselves with Christ. That you who were baptized, when you clothed yourself, it's all about Jesus now. Your identity is not Old Testament law. It's not like the pagan ways of, of, the, of, the, like of the Gentile. Listen, all of you now, here's, here's your identifier. Here's your marker, ready? You're a follower of Jesus. That's it. You've clothed yourself with Jesus. It's not about the law. It's not about the not law. It's about Jesus. He goes on. This, this, you can imagine the controversy. As, as, as a church, a guy's getting up in front of the church reading this and there's, there's Jew Christians, there's very, very Jewish Christians, there's Gentile Christians, there's Judaizers, there's everyone in between. We're like, they, I mean, this is a big issue. And he says this, there is neither Jew nor Gentile. <gasps> what? What do you mean? There's no difference anymore. There's no difference between. Paul, you have to stop. I'm not finished. Okay. There is neither Jew nor Gentile. He goes on. Neither slave nor free. What? There's no more slaves anymore? No. No more. This is what God is saying. Free and slave? Listen, your identity is not now about your status. It's now about Jesus. He goes on. There's nor male nor female. Okay, Paul. We know that there are genders. There's two genders, right? Male and female. As God made them, male and female. Okay, did you just say that doesn't exist anymore? No, no, no. But status, it's no difference now. What do you mean? But like, as the men, we're in charge here and we have property and we're kind of in, in charge of our wives and the females and like socially, economically, like we have, like, what are, you, what are you saying? He's saying, you're all even now. Paul, this is crazy. You're saying crazy stuff. Paul, if, if you don't stop, they're gonna kill you. Are you, are you sure you wanna die? He continues, this is great. For you all are one in Christ Jesus. 
his approach to all of these divisions, all of these markers, that, that way they divided themselves was say, hey, those divisions don't exist anymore. You're all now one. Whoa. For us, we read that and we're like, okay, all right, I get it. That makes sense. Jew, Gentile, slave, free. Like we don't have those, those distinctions anymore. Male and female, that's kind of a big topic today. Um, but here's, here's one that might be, okay, ready? This would be like the equivalent. Republican, Democrat, hey, doesn't matter anymore. What do you mean it doesn't matter? It's kind of a big deal. Stop it. Why are you dividing yourselves over a color? You're all Christians. I don't know if I can go to this church anymore. Paul's like, I don't care. (laughs) This is the truth of the gospel. Your identity is Jesus. I wish this book applied to us today. I wish it was. Here's what he talks about. Freedom versus enslavement. The fifth one. Galatians 5, he says, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. Now, he's not talking about like actual slavery like we think about. When he's talking about slavery, he's really saying that you, if you go back to the law, you're now enslaved by it. It's now your master. Christ has set you free from that. You're free, you're free from the law. And if you go back to it, you are putting the yoke of slavery back on you. You're now a slave to all that it says. Don't do it. You are, you are free from the enslavement of this law. Here's a sixth one. He talks about living by the spirit versus living by the flesh. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. Listen, he says, don't try to mock God. Don't pretend like, like, like you're trying to like, like, like there's some special loophole, right? There's like, a, like there's a clause. You're gonna catch him. Don't mock him. A man reaps what he sows, he says. Whoever sows to please their flesh, guess what? From the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the spirit, from the spirit will reap eternal life. You have two options here. You have spirit option and flesh option. And he chooses the words very carefully. This flesh option, literally like the old, te- like the, the, the works of the flesh and trying to earn your way. If you choose that, here's what it leads to. Destruction. So while, what is Paul telling us? All right. We're gonna see these dichotomies show up over and over as we go through Galatians, as we work through it this summer. But what's the overall? Okay, Paul, give me one sentence. What are you talking about? What's the point of Galatians? Here it is, ready? The point of Galatians is the gospel. And this, and this is it, ready? Salvation is found through believing, not behaving. That's it. It's everything. The way, you, the way you find Jesus, the way you experience God, the way you enter a relationship, the way you experience, you, you actually uh, like attain, gain salvation is by believing, not by behaving. It's what, you, it's what you put your faith in. It's not the stuff you do. And man, we are all of us, like we, we so easily fall back into the temptation of I'm gonna earn my favor with God. I'm gonna do, I'm, I'm gonna be a good person. I'm gonna do my best. And, and by the way, you should be a good person and you should do your best, but don't pretend like that's, like that's why you're gonna be, like, 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 you, like God's, God's in front of you and he says, why should I let you in? Like, I got this whole thing. And you're like, hey, I was super awesome. Super awesome. I'm a good, I was a good person. He says, it's not, you weren't good enough though. That's not good enough. The reason you and I experience salvation is through believing, not behaving. Behavior comes later, but that's not how, you don't earn it. Paul is gonna drill this in over and over again and again. Salvation is not about doing, it's about believing. Galatians 2.20 says this, I, he says myself, I've been crucified with Christ. It's not me now, 
It's not me trying to earn my way or to try to be a good person or try to like do good works. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And here's how I live. The life, the life I now live, this life, this new life, this new creation experience that I have, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. It's not about earning. It's not about doing. It's about faith in this one who sacrificed everything for me. To put it another way, we talked about religion ruins everything. Here's what we can say. The gospel is about a relationship with God. It's not a religion of man. The gospel is enough. The gospel is everything. The gospel, as it turns out, is about coming to know Jesus through faith. It's personal. And as soon as you add something to it, anything to it, it becomes religion. Religion in the negative sense of just doing the stuff, the rights and the wrongs and do this, don't do this. It becomes about earning and performance. You and I, we don't have the same issues that the Judaizers did, the Jews, non-Jew debate. We don't have that issue here. But in the church, there are very much still issues of adding to the gospel. Hey, listen, you wanna believe in Jesus? Great, here's how you get saved. You believe in Jesus and you gotta get baptized in our church. You, you believe in Jesus, that's great, but you also gotta believe in our prophet, in our person. We're all for Jesus, but here's this other thing we added. You, hey, believe in Jesus. Listen, I'm, I'm stepping on toes right now, here we go. You Believe in Jesus, that's great, but you also gotta speak in this tongue. If you don't, then you're not truly saved. It doesn't matter the thing you add to the gospel. As soon as you add it, you have now corrupted the gospel and Paul is writing Galatians to you. Oof. You are now a recipient. That's great. Yeah. Thank you. You guys should clap more often for the stuff I say. It's really good, I think. <laughs> oh, that's awkward. I should totally go on like a sabbatical for a couple months. The gospel is this. Here's the point. It really is about a relationship. It's not about a religion of man. It's not something that we create or we try to do or earn. Salvation is through believing, not behaving. And as soon as you add something to it, it's now about religion. And it's a problem. And Paul says, you fools, who has bewitched you? So as we go through Galatians this summer, I hope you're excited because we're gonna go through this and you're gonna see this over and over. When we're finished, when we go through like all six chapters at the end and you're gonna, you're gonna experience and feel this like, I, I feel like I have such a better understanding of what the gospel is and what it should look like and what it should, how, how I should live it out and, and also what it isn't. So I can see and recognize this seems to be a false teaching. This seems to be, they seem to be adding something. This, this doesn't seem to be like if Paul were hearing them say this, he would say, stop it. You are ruining the gospel. Would you do this? We're gonna, we're gonna pray and, and worship. Would you stand with me? And, and we're, gonna, we're gonna thank God for, for, um, for who he is, what he's done. And then we're gonna, we're gonna continue to sing and worship. All right, Lord. So would you bow with me? Lord, we, we first thank you. We thank you, for, we thank you for your faithful servant, Paul, who experienced easily more persecution and hardship than we ever could. In, in lifetimes, we'll never experience what he did. And you use this man and the spirit in him to clearly communicate the gospel, not with just people then, but with us today. 
So will you, Lord, help us this summer as we walk through, as we walk through this letter to the churches of Galatia and we, and we have a better understanding of the gospel, will you speak to each and every one of us every week about the truth of Jesus? And we don't get to, to add anything to it. It really is about the gospel. We love you, Lord. We thank you. And we worship you now. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.